We've never wavered from that vision. Everything you hold worthwhile is at stake. Beyond yourself and ourselves, I have a dream. Freedom is indivisible. Uh, I took the initiative in creating the internet. That app comes with incredible rapidity. One electrical arc after another. Still trying to get myself adjusted. It really is a revolution. Welcome to Hustle System, where art meets commerce, where we dissect peak performers, weed out the patterns of success and failure, and look at what makes them tick. This podcast, we have my dear friend Mario Tomek. Now, there's supposed to be an authority blurb here, but the authority blurb is so it's so abstract, right? Because you're like you're like a fitness guy, you're like the nice, probably the nicest guy on earth, actually, that I've met, and I mean that. You are actually like probably the nicest person. <laughs> I've met, um, but you're also a savvy business guy and you've also created a lifestyle for yourself that's really, really unique. So I'll probably let you take this one if you want to kind of chat about like, how did you get to where you are and let's just go from there. How did you get here? Sure. Uh, long journey, man. Uh, it started way back. I've been doing this for a decade at this point, working on myself and improving myself and I'm looking at it from a personal development standpoint because at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur, your business is you in one way. So your growth definitely reflects in how you do your business. And back when, um, when I started as a digital nomad, and even before that, everything kind of reflects my journey of improvement. So as I started doing some making some money online, that was like the first big step. Afterwards, working with the RSD was a big step. Then after that, going on my own was a big step. And every one of those steps required a bit of a different version of myself. So today, I would always say, you know, I can't even relate in some ways to the person that I was five or 10 years ago, which I think is a good thing. And same way, I probably can't relate at all to my version of myself, like let's say 15 years ago, which would be somewhere in, um, you know, in college playing World of Warcraft and in, in a Bosnian dorm without internet and being freaking poor and coming from a very poor place. So, you know, a lot of things have changed. English, gotten a little bit better as well not my native language so i get a lot of compliments on that actually which is pretty cool uh yeah overall a lot of effort a lot of work today what i do is i run a company um under the brand tomic.com we help entrepreneurs and busy professionals get in amazing shape and perform at their best the focus is health and fitness but we also do a lot of personal development work super cool man super cool so let's let's unpack some of the stuff here that you've touched on um, let's, let's, let's actually go from the beginning. So, you know, I'm a big fan of inside the actor studio. I think it, it really lets you dig deep. So what was, what was your childhood like? And at what point did you get to where like, look, I'm going to put my foot down and I'm going to make myself the best version of myself that I can be. Like what, did, how did that come about? Yeah, it was a slow learner from, from that standpoint, because in my childhood, I absolutely didn't read anything or learn anything about personal development family, very poor, uh, living paycheck to paycheck. We really didn't even have any support or any help from anybody else. So we're kind of on our own. My dad was absolutely overworked out of his mind. Uh, we went through the war, which he was in the army. Uh, that was the Yugoslavian war that broke up the country and a lot of stressful stuff during childhood. Uh, I was definitely kind of hiding more in the virtual world, uh, playing video games, getting out of that, 
as well. Wasn't really the sporty type either. So I was playing some soccer, which is normal in that part of the world, but never really stuck with it. Never really got to become a master of anything. You know, when you meet a lot of entrepreneurs and people nowadays, you can kind of almost see that they're form of a prodigy. You know, they had figured things out much earlier in life. For me, up until the age of 23, I was a nobody with nothing, with no skills whatsoever, with not even knowing English properly. So that was the point where I would say there was a huge difference. And that's where I actually learned that things aren't fixed, that you can improve. Because all the way up until the end of college, I thought, look, intelligence is fixed. You're either good at math or you're not good at math. You either speak the language or you don't speak the language. You're either good with people or not. So I thought a lot from that fixed mindset, which is a huge problem, as you know, and we know now looking at the science of growth. So childhood, I wouldn't say that I learned that much about what I'm doing today, probably nothing. Um, and also high school, nothing, never really impressive in any fields. I mean, I was a straight A student because that's the only way I could get in um, college because we're too poor to afford it. And so I had a scholarship to do that. Um, and I always thought that I would be working in an IT job somewhere in a, like a server room, which actually was my first job that I wanted to get out as fast as possible. That was the dream. And then I realized it was nonsense. So yeah, you can dig deep into that. There's a lot of stuff, but yeah, like loving the, the growth. <laughs> totally, man. Okay. Well, what was, what was the moment? So you, you mentioned like up until 23 and you know, for the, for those of you guys that are listening that aren't familiar, familiar with, um, Mario stuff. Let's just give them a little bit of context. So you released one YouTube video per day for how long? Uh, for a whole year. For every a whole day. year. For a whole year. So, so clearly there was something at some point that catalyzed a new work ethic or a new type of direction that said, look, like I'm going to, I'm going to go after my dreams here. What was that point like for you? Was there, was there a low moment that then turned into a high, like, what was the thing that, that sparked that fire? Cause I see you work. I mean, your work ethic is, is just relentless and it's, and it's amazing because you do it with a smile on your face. I think a lot of people, you know, they go into work ethic and they're like, I will push through, this will be tough. And you know, I, I see you and like, sometimes you could tell it, you can tell that it's tough. It's a lot of work. I'm not saying that it's easy, but, but you make it look easy. So what, what was that moment? Like, was there, was there a low point that you're just like, like I've had enough, I'm going to do something. Yeah, the low point was definitely graduating, getting that first job. Uh, to get that first job, I hustled so hard. Um, and just in the context for people that don't understand, that was the crisis time. That was 2008, 2010. Terrible time to even go for a job in any country, let alone in Croatia or Bosnia at the time where I was living. So the opportunities were just very rare. And um, we had to hustle a lot to get the job. So I was basically living on my dad's uh, paycheck myself in at that age after graduate with a master's degree, which they literally spend their entire life savings to get me through. And I got the job and then I realized that also that sucks because the job itself doesn't really do anything to improve your life. My life didn't improve that much. I was just bringing a little bit more money at home. I could pay for gas. I was stuck in traffic for two hours a day, uh, basically, you know, waking up at six in the morning up until like 6 PM. And then you have to go to sleep as soon as you come back. And that's basically where I realized that everything I work toward meaningless. There is no purpose in what I'm doing. I need to make an absolute radical, drastic change. And I realized that it's a, what I know. So it's clearly something that I don't know how these other people are doing it. I read, I think it was for a work week back then that came out, uh, Robert Kiyosaki stuff. I just started getting into stuff because I realized like, 
I'm missing something. There's something missing in my life because there's people that get it and I'm not stupid because I used to be a pro video gamer. I know that if I put my mind to something that I could really get it and I realized that I was losing the game of life. I just didn't know how to play it and that's where I really got into it and that's where since then I've been reading insane amounts of material and I would say like the only real skill that I have is being very persistent with learning. So I'm just, I'm a machine as when it comes to learning. I read like three to four books a week. I consistently learn, 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 learn like hours a day. So that's the only reason I would say that I'm here today is because I just kept committing to that learning experience. And that's what sparked the business eventually and, and the whole change. Emotion definitely got me going. I, I think that disappointment with everything, I needed that. I needed to hit that low point, being broke and living with my parents and just not seeing a way out for them or myself. That was a huge low point for me and I needed to make a drastic change, which is one of the reasons why I got into more personal development and everything. I took that responsibility on myself. I got to do this. Nobody's going to do it for me. My dad is the way he is. He worked his ass off, but he can't do anything more for me. Someone has to take care of this because one day he's going to retire. It's just like the whole situation for me was like, look, if you don't do this, nobody will step up your game and whatever it takes. And that's basically like now I could say I'm living the dream. You know, people say like you're hustling hard, doing all this. Dude, I'm living the dream. Like that's it. Like this is, I wouldn't even imagine what I have right now. Like it would be outside of my reality like five years ago, let alone 20 years ago. Like if someone would say that I'm doing this, what I'm doing right now, travel to 52 countries, run this business, have a team, talk to guys like you who are like super smart, man, like this is just already a dream. Like, I don't know what the hell is going to happen next, but this is incredible. So I'm just waking up super grateful every day. Like, holy shit, like, can this get even better? <laughs> so totally. I just keep pushing. Totally, man. Gratitude, gratitude is so important. There, there's some, some key uh, parallels there actually for, for me, um, you, you know, to, um, finding Tim stuff, right? The, the, the four hour work, et cetera, was also like something that, that I was super skeptical of. That was one of the, the starting catalysts for me too. And then you, and then you read the thing, you're like, there's no way. There's no way people just live this. Come on, come on, get out of here, crazy guy, right? And then you go and you try some stuff and you realize that there, there's a whole depth, right, of knowledge and of learning and of materials that are specifically aligned to this idea of, you know, finding your purpose and making good money and living a good life. And we'll definitely touch on that in, um, in a little bit. But you, you mentioned something that I think is, is really interesting and probably lies at the core of your philosophy on why you're so happy. So you mentioned that you kind of like gamified your life, right? You mentioned that like, okay, well you haven't figured out quite how to play the game of life, right? At that time. And it seems like, you know, we're always learning, right? But I think we're a, a bit further along and having it figured out. So can you maybe give some advice for, you know, entrepreneurs that are listening to this that are in the earlier stages of their business or maybe stuck in a nine to five? that, that want to break out? Like what would be like the one to three step, you know, thing? Like what, what, what do they do on a practical level to break out of a nine to five or if they're struggling in their business? Mm -hmm. The number one would be definitely feed your mind uh, with material from guys like you or guys that have written uh, material on how to start a business and just how to live that lifestyle. Just expose yourself to as much as possible to how does an entrepreneur think live, move, breed, everything that they do and try to embody that as much as possible in your routine. 
And then once you do that, you're naturally going to gravitate more and more toward making the switch, let's say from a nine to five to your own business. You're just going to be more inspired to do that. And we underestimate inspiration, but it makes a huge difference. Uh, reading audiobooks from entrepreneurs, just thinking like an entrepreneur. So an entrepreneur doesn't think the same way as a, as a nine to five employee does. So you have to understand the model and the decision making process. And this is what you need to get good at. And then the second thing would be finding at some point, someone who will mentor you and just get you started. Like I think mentoring is so underrated and videos and books are amazing. That's what got me going. But as soon as you have some money saved up, as soon as you have some basic, um, let's say fundamental like kind of parachute so you don't just crash and burn, get a mentor and just shortcut the whole thing. Like you don't need a decade to learn how to do business. You can learn that in a year, less than a year. And I think it's silly to try to do it by your own self just in 2019, 2020, just moving forward. It's just silly. So just get that over with. And, and if you want to make the trigger or pull the trigger and just make the shift, absolutely get someone to guide you. I think that would be the, that would be the number uh, two. And then number three is really think like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Like what's the reason for you to be an entrepreneur? Like, who are you doing it for? Like, what's the motivation? Don't think of it as just because, you know, Gary Vee said you need to be an entrepreneur and want to become an entrepreneur. But like, what are you really motivated by? Uh, do you like the freedom? Like, I'm a big fan of freedom. I just like freedom. I just don't like having a boss. Like, I can't do that. It's just not aligning with my core values and my philosophy. I'd rather make you know, 10 times less money and be my own boss than have someone who is just telling me what to do at this point because at, at this level. But... At the same time, when I had a job, I also appreciate the fact that I could learn from people that are smarter than me, upgrade myself, and then eventually once you reach a level, you want to break on your own. But you got to be able to expose yourself, to, as I said in the first two things, expose yourself to that way of thinking and then think, okay, what problem can I solve? What is my skill set allow me to solve? And then go out in the marketplace and see what the marketplace needs and focus on that problem that the marketplace has. Because everything is about a problem. It's not about you, your feelings, your uh, how pretty your Instagram looks like or whatever it is. Are you able to solve a legitimate problem in the marketplace? That's a business. If you don't have that recognized, you don't have a business. And that's, I think, a different way of thinking rather than this, I'm going to you know, do the entrepreneurial lifestyle to travel the world or it's all about you, 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 you. But what are you doing to your clients? How are you serving your clients and your customers? I think that's the smarter way of looking at it, right? Starting with the problem first. I love it, man. Yeah, that's really a value first approach and we can unpack that some more. So, so kind of just to summarize that. So number one is like feed your mind, right? Be relentless, be relentless in learning, absorb stuff like a sponge and become very, very fast, very fast at learning. I think people learn too slow. Um, look at, you know, the standard textbook method, right? And I really learned this in high school when, you know, I, I basically missed a year and a half of high school and I had to catch up on the last six months. On the last six months, I had to do two and a half years worth of work. And I went to this special school that they're like, yeah, we'll just let you work at your own pace. We'll just give you all the textbooks. You can take the tests whenever. And in four and a half months, I finished everything. So I was like, wow, like that, that's a real, you know, compact um, way of looking at it. So I love that. So step one is like feed your mind, be relentless with learning. Number two is find a mentor. And we, we can, let, let's touch on that for a little bit. So who were some of your big mentors and how did you go about finding a mentor in person versus let's say you're in a geographic region where you, you simply can't find somebody. How do you go about using 
other tools like books, et cetera, podcasts um, for mentorship. Can you maybe unpack that a little bit more? Yeah, I definitely started with the books and the podcasts and, and everything that was virtual and online because back when I started out, there was just nobody, absolutely nobody. Even now there's nobody like there's, I cannot come back to my hometown and just talk to people about building an online business and building this empire and crushing it when everybody around you is basically in survival mode most of the time. So they're not really thinking about it like that. At least everybody in my social circle, I mean, certainly there are successful people in every area of the world for sure. There's outliers, there's the 1%, but I just didn't have that type of influence in the real world for me. So I had to go into books, audiobooks, some of my favorite. Very soon I realized that I respond more to audiobooks than to books, although I still read books because I like the focus that it forces you to have <laughs> compared to audiobooks where you can just multitask. So it trains your brain to multitask more. So I still do some books. Uh, so yeah, that would be the first step for everybody if you don't have your environment. But as soon as you can, and as soon as you can move out of that and just have some financial freedom and traveling really helps a lot, going to events. That would be my number one advice for someone finding a mentor is just going to events. Invest everything you possibly can to just go attend events where people that you want to be like are hanging out and be relentless in becoming a networking mastermind. Like you, you need to network with people and reach out to people and expose yourself to as much as possible. I think that's where a lot of the stuff that I learned from like social skills with RSD and all of that actually helped me way more in business than it helped me in, in other areas because that's where I used it the most. And I think that's one of the biggest ways. And of course, like I learned a ton from um, guys like Owen, RSD Tyler, known for as far as like his mindset about giving value and getting into video. I wouldn't even do video probably if it wasn't for him. So that was one of the reasons I saw how well it worked for RSD and I realized that it's a good way for me to do it. And then don't confine yourself to people that you always agree with, but also try to find kind of anti-mentors, like people that are doing something that you don't agree with, but learn from them. I think that's a interesting way to bypass what we call the confirmation bias. So find people that actually do something that's weird and that you don't want to do, but you can still learn from them. So I actually learned a ton from people that are doing like info marketing, even though I don't sell info products, I learn a ton from people that are doing info marketing and I don't do info products. I do mostly mentoring and coaching, but I'm learning from them and I'm trying to find models in other niches and completely different marketplaces that I can use in my marketplace and my niche. And this combination I think is really important where you can bridge that gap you get these incredible ideas and that's usually where you can find a blue ocean within your niche if you do that. And that's what I've done uh, successfully so far and I hope to continue doing that. Man, I love it. There's, there's so much to unpack here. So we're going we're gonna to kind of keep circling back around. So one, feed your mind, be relentless. Two, mentors. And again, if you can't find one in person, get one, go to, go to a blog, go to a podcast, go to an audiobook, go to YouTube, absorb, absorb, absorb. And number three, you kind of hinted at this, but this is really the, the start with why, right? Why do you want to be entrepreneur? Simon Sinek uh, will be a reference there. Uh, what is your why? So for me, what I always thrive for, uh, and if someone has never been poor, they don't understand what it feels like to be poor. But if you're really, really freaking poor, all you can think about is the basic stuff in life. And that was my initial why is like, okay, how the hell do I don't worry about this money issue anymore. And then I can start actually living life and doing things that I really am passionate about, which is learning, improving, doing things that, that make me feel alive, which is 
totally different topic which we can get into but it was that first motivation was for me like okay i don't want to worry about the basic stuff i don't want to think like you know back when i was a kid it was always like fighting around when bills would come and then you have to pay the bills and you're kind of juggling oh should i do the electricity bill or the water bill first because i don't know how much we're going to have left and do we need to go to the grocery store we're going to run our food like that type of stress that that puts on a person it's incredible it will destroy relationships families everything so once you get that basic stuff handled, man, it's all uphill from there. But that's like the first motivation for me to handle it, to never, ever, ever be in that situation again for the rest of my life. I'll do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter. If I have to work 80 hours a week, I'll do it. Like, like I'll do all the hours. It doesn't matter. I won't sleep. That's the, because I've experienced that. I experienced the depth of pain being in that situation. I never want to feel that again. Amazing. After that, push yourself to become the best you can be. Right. As Maslow said, you know, what a man can be, man should be. Push yourself and see how far you can go. Because there's a beauty in pushing yourself and continuously challenging yourself. You enter what is called the flow state. And, you know, when, you, when you're just crushing it and that feeling where you just lose track of time, that's just an incredible feeling you can have every single day as an entrepreneur and working on something that's meaningful to you. And that's like we're getting into that high level of stuff where you feel like you have a legacy at some point. And that's, divide now is the legacy because I'm here. I want to make the world a little bit of a better place and I'll do what it takes to make that happen. But the, the motivation and the why evolves over time. So when you first start out, maybe just look, I want to get two, three K a month just to get out of my parents' place and move to live on my own. That's totally cool. But that will evolve over time and it should evolve. What starts as desperation it should evolve into something greater than that because desperation won't get you too far. As soon as you start making enough to not be desperate anymore, you will get stuck because there's nothing to drive you to keep going forward. In fitness, a great example, you know, guys go from 25% body fat to about 16-ish. They're okay. They're not fat. They're average, normal dudes. But to get from there to greatness, which is 10% body fat, the same motivation doesn't apply anymore because you're not desperate anymore. So you need to evolve your motivation as you go through the journey. Same applies to entrepreneurship. And I think that's where I'm at right now. And I don't know what the future is going to bring. Maybe there's something more. But at this point, it's really I want to make this little rock that we're on, like all these monkeys like me and you, <laughs> make this a little bit of a better experience for everybody if I can, right? So we'll see. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Now that that's really beautiful. And you know, we'll get into some more advanced like business and marketing stuff in, in a second here. One thing you touched on that I think was, was really great was, you know, to not overthink the starting point. And that's something that as I, I was, I was kind of clicking through your older stuff and I'm like, man, like there's so much content you can see the evolution, right. Of the, the videos that you're doing, just getting progressively, you know, a little better. The title is a little bit sharper. Like the color is a little bit better. Like you're positioning in the frames a little bit more on point. So, um, can you talk a little bit about like uh, this this tendency for Type A personalities to overthink and as a result get paralyzed? And let's say that you're somebody who's a listener and you, you've always wanted to maybe be your own boss, be your own entrepreneur, or you know, you wanted to start a YouTube channel or a podcast or write your own book. Um, how does somebody go about breaking through that fear, right? Because it's a very fear-based thing. Breaking through that fear of judgment, um, Stephen Pressfield, War of Art, we call it the resistance. Um, how did you go about that when you're like, you know what, I'm doing this YouTube thing, I'm going to go about it. Because I, I, I know you and, and you're, you're also like a perfectionist in your own right. 
but there's, there's a switch that you kind of have to flick. So how, how did you go about that? So I'll take a step back to answer this because we have different personalities that we can all bring out and certain domains, we operate totally differently. So if you're a perfectionist in one domain, which could be, let's say YouTube videos, that doesn't mean that you're overall a perfectionist, though there are some similarities, but I found that when people look at a domain like that, they tend to gravitate toward perfectionism, even though in real life, maybe they have a super messy house and they are just completely anti-perfectionism. So for me, it was actually that case where I was starting to become a perfectionist and that was hindering my consistency. And I see this as the number one reason why people are not consistent. They're thinking black and white. If the video is not perfect, I'm not going to put it out. If I can't do the full workout today, I may not as, you know, go there and do a 30-minute workout. And this is going to be completely destroying your consistency from day one. The, the way to overcome this issue is what I call adopting the iterative mindset. So it, it doesn't matter what version one is. It really doesn't because it's all about improving the, the software, quote unquote, or improving the delivery or improving your videos over time. So if you look at my first video, God, it's awful. Like I cringe when I watch my first video. I have it up there just as an example for people to see, boy, like this is worse than I could possibly, like if I just give a random camera to a person on the street, they would do a better video than that. And I can now open up, let's say a video that I did in front of 200 people and you can clearly see that version 2000 is way better than version one. But that's just the process that I've gone through and that's the mindset I would have everybody adopt is version one, it doesn't matter, ship it, version 1.1, 1.2, 1.3. And having that iterative mindset, think of it almost like a software developer. I mean, they didn't stop developing when iPhone one came out. That's why I have an iPhone 10. You're going to have an iPhone 11, you have an iPhone 50 because they keep iterating and the only way to keep iterating is to ship, to test, to see how it's going to work. And if I didn't get into this mindset, I would be absolutely crippled. I would never sustain a, a whole year of videos. It's impossible because you judge your content way too much. None of the videos that I put out that were hits, I was happy with. Zero. None of them. There's like a video that has a million or something views. I was like, God, should I put this out? Is this thumbnail? If I didn't put out that video, I wouldn't have a business today, for Christ's sakes. And that's the thing where you judge your content way too much and you're not being rational. But the quantity brings out quality eventually. So you have to start somewhere. And as a young entrepreneur, shipping is your absolute number one skill. Just keep shipping. I think Seth Godin said this. Just keep shipping. It doesn't matter like, what it looks like, version one. But don't forget to iterate. That's the second step. So don't stay where you're at. So it doesn't matter what the version one is, but don't let it remain like that. Keep improving it. And that's where I think this mindset really helps a lot and gets you out of that all or nothing thinking, which is called, in psychology, they call this splitting, where you're unable to think nuance or you're unable to distinguish between black and white. And this is a sign of perfectionism because you, you, if it's not perfect, you won't do it at all. So iteration is the absolute key. I love it. I love it, man. That, that's really great. Um, and that, that's prolific in art as well, right? Look at, you know, great artists, lots of songs, lots of songs coming out, you know, movie directors, lots of movies coming out, entrepreneurs, lots and lots of content to get to, um, to being good. I, I think of it as like a martial art, like nobody's going to go in and be good on a first day. Some people might be better you know, biologically than others, but 
really the master is going to be the person who's been in there, gone on the mats, trained consistently, and uh, did the work and gone through that iterative process. So this is this is so far really amazing. Now, this idea of domain shifting is something that we can unpack more, but but I want to I want to kind of I want to kind of revisit that because th- that goes really really deep into how I actually tackle my multiple personality. Uh, advantage is what I call it, <laughs> you know, instead of a multi, instead of MPD, I call it MPA, uh, which is uh, hilarious. But uh, let, let's talk a little bit about some, some practical steps. I can, I think the people that are listening now at this point, they're like, okay, this is all cool. This is all great theory, but let, let's, 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 let's pivot to business for a minute. So talk a little bit about this, this coaching thing. And, you know, before you guys go and tune out, like it's a, it's a pitch, this isn't a pitch thing. Okay. I have some of my closest friends that have done your nutrition program. And, you know, I was just at the sauna with one of them and he's like, dude, like Mario's thing changed my life. His, his workout thing changed my life. I feel better in my body. I'm able to get more done. I feel more energetic. So, um, you know, not as a pitch thing, but I'm, I'm actually genuinely interested. Like, what do you do for your coaching currently? How's that program structured? How are, how are you proactively helping people? Because I think from there we can go and unpack some marketing stuff, which I think would be really great for the audience. Sure, sure. I've packed a program to serve a very specific audience and a very specific niche. So we're talking about entrepreneurs, even more specifically work from home entrepreneurs, traveling entrepreneurs, very busy entrepreneurs, and then a subset of busy professionals, usually guys that work at Google, Amazon, very high pressure situations. And then I've taken what will make these people perform at their best. And then I narrowed that down into health and fitness. And then I look at, okay, what does the science tell us right now that this is the absolute best way to train, eat, and perform? And combine that with my personal experience being in this field for almost a decade at this point. And that's what the program really covers. And the four areas that I work with guys on, number one is exercise, nutrition, then what I call high-performance habits, and four I call mindset. So once you cover these four areas, it will basically give you this complete mastery over your health and fitness and high performance habits is the one usually people are kind of confused about. And that's where we're talking about sleep, stress management, energy management, uh, productivity and focus. So these are extremely important components. And I see this as a part of the whole system because the program is called fitness mastery. It's really a system because if you miss out on let's say energy management or you miss out on your sleep, your nutrition could be very much dialed in, but you're not going to see the results that you're looking for. If you miss out on the mindset stuff, sure, you can have all the how-tos, but you're not actually doing it consistently. If you have the best mindset and you're just going crazy motivated at everything, but you don't have the right system to implement, it's just not going to work. So you got to cover it all. And that's what Fitness Mastery is. It's a six-month-long mentoring program very comprehensive and detailed. If you want to nerd out, uh, some guys like to keep it simple. Some guys like to nerd out. I ta- tailor it toward both. However you want to deep, when I go, you can go, but the result really is what the program is designed to get you. And I would say that at, at this point in time, this is the most result-oriented fitness and personal development program you can enter. Uh, spent, let's say, about eight years developing this whole thing and um, reading through like hundreds of scientific journals for it and a lot of other stuff. I mean, you can get into the details of each component. For me, this is my life's work at the moment. And I've dedicated most of my work hours throughout the week to working with actual clients in the program. So I'm still very much involved. It's not some kind of, you know, we mentioned four hour work week. You know, people think, 
it's some kind of scheme that you use passive income. There is passive income in the world, but this, what I'm doing is not. And I don't really look at it for a way to make it a passive income stream. I'm just looking at it. Okay. How can I make this to be the best program in the world and how it can just crush everybody, all the competition with <laughs> respect to everybody. But that's my goal. Like I want to crush you if you're <laughs> listening to this because that's my goal. Like I, I just want to be the best. And I think fitness mastery is the best. So uh, we can dive into that. I'm of course biased, but um, that's the point, right? Like I, I'm just going to make it as the best as possibly get. Yeah. There's um, there's a few things I really like about it is that number one is it suits, it suits people that are real people. So what I mean by that is, is you don't have to be like a gym rat and you don't have to, you know, be this guy who's already super jacked. Um, it really is, is fully holistic and actually every single person that has gone through it that I know or interfaces with you in any capacity, actually their life improves. So I think that's a really good sign is, you know, if you have somebody like this, does other people's lives get better from being around this person? Um, and you're definitely one of those people. Uh, so before we go into, you know, breaking that down, how do people, how do people find out about this thing? Like if people want to sign up, let, let's do the merciless call to action. You know, I, I keep telling my audience like pitch, pitch, pitch. If I endorse something, it's something that I stand behind personally. Um, so you can, you know, do, do your little uh, call to action spiel and then let's look at some marketing stuff after that. Sure, absolutely. I mean, the easiest way to just reach out is we do a free assessment call with everybody who's interested in joining the program. Uh, if you go on my website, tomic.com slash clients or just click on the client results page, you can check out some of the results we're getting for clients. There's also going to be a call to action button there where you can jump on that assessment call. Uh, sometimes I even do the assessment call if it's like super early in the morning and everybody in my team is asleep and I just kind of jump on one or two per week to stay in the loop. Um, I just love the whole process that we have in place because that assessment call is in a way to see if this is a really good fit because when you enter a relationship that is a six month long mentoring relationship with someone, there's a different experience. You really get to know the person and everything is just built around that relationship. And that's what the mentoring really shines for is that in depth that you can go for one individual for their specific situation, for whatever their personal obstacles are in their life, whatever is getting in the way we can overcome it and resolve it. And six months is also enough time to really create that massive transformation because it's all about a massive transformation as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm looking, of course, to make your life better, like a little bit every day. But at the end of the day, look, results, it has to be data driven and results driven. If you're looking back at the end of six months, you're going to be a different person. And that's my goal. Like you, you wouldn't be able to recognize yourself and not just from a standpoint of physically recognizing yourself. That's one part of growth that everybody talks about, you know, do I get abs and, and how cool my abs look and selfies on Instagram. But what I'm really passionate about is permanent behavior change. So permanently changing your habits and the way your operating system and your mind works. So you just have this thing figured out once and for all, and you have a set of skills that you're just done with fitness because that's what the word mastery is for. Master it. Once you master it, you just know how it works. You don't have to deal with it ever again. And that's my major outcome with every client that I work with. How can we get you to the point that this thing is just handled? So you just go and keep working your business, work on your family stuff, but just handle this fitness and health thing once and for all, because it plays a huge role in every other area of your life. So once you just figure this one out, everything else, you just have so much more energy and focus and drive to do. And that's what I've seen these parallels pop up all the time. It's like business, just revenue shoots up 
because you have more energy and you're more focused, you're more grounded. You don't get emotionally affected by the roller coaster that we're all on as an entrepreneur. And that's really what I would say. If, if you're an entrepreneur or a busy professional right now juggling like everything, you're not sure how to figure this out, this is what Fitness Mastery is for. As, as you said, you know, it's for normal people like that want to really figure this thing out on a high level. Jump on that assessment call. We'll, we'll take it from there. I love it, man. And then just to quickly recap, that's, that's physical fitness, that's diet, that's high-performance habits, and that's mindset. Um, and in that high-performance habits, um, I've got three of the five. I've got sleep, stress management, focus. What are the other two? I think so you have five in there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You got sleep, you got stress, you got energy levels. So pretty much everything you can do to optimize your energy levels and you got productivity. So how to be more productive, how to basically, I boil down my productivity system that I've developed. And then number five there is focus. It's how to be hyper-focused, which is, in my opinion, the most important mental skill that you can have in, in today's age, how to stay on point with one specific task, how to single task, how to become like hyper focused on that one single thing you need to do. Knock it out. I love it. And as always, obviously, uh, we will have links in the show notes if you guys want to check out Mario's program. So super phenomenal. Let's, let's, let's pivot a little bit. Let's talk, let's talk marketing. Okay. So you started organically, right? Very, very organic. Lots of YouTube, lots and lots and lots and lots of YouTube. Um, how long did it take you on YouTube before you saw like some real monetary results coming from that? I think I got, as far as I can remember, this was back in 2015 before I even got into doing daily videos, which was more 2016, I was already starting to get results because the way I positioned myself was always like, okay, this is a specific niche that I want to work with. You can still apply to work with me personally as a coach. And that's where I already started getting some clients. Even before I had, I think it was 1,000, 2,000 subscribers, I would start getting some clients. At that point, the program was very low ticket. Um, I even did some free coaching initially just to test out my system and to make sure that it's validated, the results are 100%. And once that initial process have just figured out that iteration, then you just start increasing the investment amount, making the features better, making the whole experience better for the, for the person. That The program keeps evolving. Every year, of course, like there's always something that evolves and improves. And I think there's a big myth out there that you need to have these 10,000, 20,000, 50,000 followers to turn uh, a community that you have on YouTube into a business, which is absolutely false. I mean, you could just literally, if you have 500 people in there that listen to what you have to say and you're looking to get 10 clients, you can easily get that. If your message is communicating to the right people, solving the right problem, if you aren't making you know, funny cat videos and expecting to build a business, you will actually be very successful with a small following, even regardless of the platform, whether it's YouTube or Instagram or Facebook. I prefer YouTube. It's a part of my personal growth to get out there because I always wanted to be also a public speaker, which is what helped me a lot. But that doesn't have to be YouTube. I do like YouTube. It has a huge viral component. I think organic on YouTube has the highest potential of all the other platforms. That's why I chose it as well. And it can be any other platform. So I, for me, I think even after a couple of thousand subscribers, I already had uh, like a very steady income from it. And it was very successful for me to start working and building a business from it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, so let's, let's keep unpacking that some more. Um, what are some tools that you use on YouTube? You know, let's talk, you know, I'm not going to mention them. I'd like you to mention them, but if, if somebody's on YouTube, let's say they're, they're looking to grow, optimize their SEO. Uh, what are some tools that you use either in the video creation process that maybe somebody wouldn't have thought of or 
on YouTube to actually maximize the SEO that they get. Yeah, SEO is really big on YouTube. That's what I realized uh, because I had a marketing background and I was doing some SEO for websites and I realized, well, this SEO and YouTube thing is really good and it's not that many people know about it yet. So back in 2015, 2016, people were just kind of like guessing whether this works or not. And initially I was using the, uh, what is it called, like the Google keyword tool to research some of the keywords because I thought, well, you know, if it works on Google, it's going to work on YouTube. And it does kind of work. You can figure out some of the basic keywords and, and see what works. Nowadays, you have tools like TubeBuddy or VidIQ that tell you a lot more information about a certain keyword, like say how to lose fat fast, very common keyword. You can clearly see that it's very saturated. It's really hard to rank for it. But if you go, let's say, how to lose fat fast for if you're a software developer or something like that, if you go a bit long tail, that test and see if there's enough traffic for that. And then you can put that in your title. And the YouTube algorithm, which is really important to, for everybody listening to this, the YouTube algorithm is consistently changing. Now, there are some things that kind of stay the same over years and years is that YouTube is very interested in keeping people on the platform. So if you create amazing content that captivates people, and if you do your job to first get their attention and then keep their attention on YouTube, you're going to do really well. So it's really that watch time metric that is important to optimize for. And to get them to even click on the video, the most important factor is a great thumbnail, great title, and then how you position really like description, all that other stuff is a little bit less relevant. But title and thumbnail, if you just do those two things really, really well, you're going to definitely grab that initial click. Now, which topics you use, this is a whole different section, but one of the easiest ways to get started is really see what your competitors are talking about and then see 80, 20 their channels, see which videos are getting the most views and see, okay, can I do a better video on this exact same topic? And if you can, you're very likely going to have yourself a really nice topic to work with and you can break it down. It always make it better. Because if I did, let's say I'm doing a video right now and I'm looking at a business channel, I want to start a business channel. I go to someone that has a million subscribers. I'm going to list their videos by the top viewed videos. I can see if there are any most recent ones that just blew up. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a topic in there, how to increase your productivity by 10x. Okay. And I check out that video. I'm going to watch the video, see what maybe they missed out on. Maybe it wasn't delivered as well, or I can check out their keywords, their titles, and just do a better video. And that's putting yourself in a position where you can succeed. I think for a beginner, for someone who's just getting into it, other people will do research for you in a sense. So you don't have to know all the nuances. You can just model. But good content, at the end of the day, good delivery, which is something that's going to improve over time, is really, really important. Because if your content sucks, I mean, if you're not really generally looking to provide value with your content, it's not going to work, right? It has to be good, compelling content once you get the click. So kind of like an ethical clickbait because you deliver on the actual promise because deliver on the promise. If you don't do that, people click away and YouTube doesn't recommend your videos and you don't get the traffic. And then we are sad. And then, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, 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 totally, man. Um, that, that's really, really great advice. So, okay, so let, let, let's keep going on that. So, you know, I think when uh, you mentioned make a better video, right? I think a lot of people get intimidated by that because you know, they'll, they'll see a video on a, let's say 600 K channel and it's got, you know, great lighting. It's got, you know, a real camera operator. It's got uh, these nice clean titles on there. It's got an intro outro with music, sometimes custom music. And I think the average person sees that and they're like, "Whoa, like there's no way that I could create this. But, um, can you maybe unpack during the, like, let's say the film from filming 
or let's say, let's, let's, let's even go further back from ideation. So from the idea to upload it on YouTube, what's, what's kind of the process that you follow? Cause you've gotten, I mean, to do a video a day for those of you guys that are listening, I do a video a week and it is, man, it is a lot of work. It is a ton, a ton, a ton of work. So you're, you know, with having what, 365 iterations, obviously your process has to be, you know, pretty streamlined at this point. So what does that look like from when, oh, okay, I should make a video about XYZ. And then, you know, to, to maybe like the camera setup, like how do you pick your locations? Um, do you write out a script or do you wing it? Uh, like talk a little bit about that. I think that would help a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely correct about this gear intimidation that happens. You know, this person has a better camera than me or has better lighting or a better setup. And people don't care. Like, really, at the end of the day, if the content actually delivers the promised value, which is the information that people came from, you got 80% of what you're going to get. Now, the most important part of gear, I'm not going to say gear doesn't matter, but good, clean audio there's just no excuse to have muffled audio. There's just no excuse. Also, there's no excuse to just have some really poorly lit situation if you have a window in your house that your window is behind your head and it's going into the camera so you can't see your face. Now, if you handle some of the basic stuff, you just do the Pareto on the whole thing, an iPhone with decent lighting on a tripod in front of a window, talking to the camera without a, you know, a garbage truck in front of it doing some work, you're already good enough. As far as quality of video, that's pretty much what you need to get, like a full HD quality. Other than that, all the focus goes on the content. And with that, starts with the idea, okay, what's the idea? Let's say how to lose fat. Okay, the video has to have a strong hook. In the first 10 seconds, 20 seconds, if you don't have a strong hook, you're definitely not gonna you know, get people, you're gonna click away. Because the way I view the average YouTube person, <laughs> I know this is gonna get ruffles some fetters, but I think that there's Pornhub in one tab, Netflix in another tab, and there's YouTube in the third tab, there's Facebook in the fourth tab. And there's like just clicking between the tabs. If I don't get someone's attention right now, okay, you need to listen to this right now, and this is the reason why, and here's proof why you need to listen to this, they're back on Pornhub. Yep. That's what I imagine when I'm, when I'm doing the first hook, okay? <laughs> Once you get the hook, then you can throw in some proof elements, a testimonial or something like that. After you go through that stuff, you can ask them to subscribe. That I, I recommend that. Ask them, look, if you like more videos like this, ask them beforehand, subscribe, click like, whatever you want them. I usually say subscribe, enable the notification, then go into the meat of the content. At the end of the video, here's a power tip for everybody. I'm not too big on tactical stuff, but this is a power tip. Once you get through the meat of the content, and the meat of the content is really good to have a list of things, you get, have a list because then people stay longer because they want to get all the five tips. So if you have a list, instead of just rambling on a topic, it works better. And then at the end, in an outro, tell them to watch another video of yours. Don't just tell them to subscribe. Tell them to watch another video because that's a huge signal for YouTube. Keep recommending your channel because you're keeping people on the platform. So at the end, just tell them, hey, I did a video on a similar topic to this. Go check it out. Even if it's someone else's video, hey, this is a video on the same topic from another person I want you to watch. Go there and watch it. Otherwise, if that person clicks away back to Pornhub, you're losing the recommended algorithm uh, benefit there. Now, with the meat of the content, that's where the video is going to make it or break it, basically. And as I said, lists do really well, but also from a standpoint of how do I save this viewer's time, but also deliver the gist of what I'm trying to communicate here. If you're consistently rambling on without getting to the meat of it, you're going to lose them. 
because people's time is they're just so uh, so protective over it, right? They're gonna go on YouTube, they're gonna go for something that gives them other videos or Facebook or porn or whatever to get them that instant gratification. So if you're not giving them value right then and there, you're gonna lose them. So make sure that it gets to the point really quickly and then explains all the different angles for the point. I prefer to script out my videos just in bullet points, not in. Uh, like a complete word for word. I know some people are big fans of word for word scripting. I think it takes an enormous amount of time. And if you're doing daily, you can forget about it. Daily also, just to give a caveat here, is a full-time job. Not just a 40-hour full-time job, but like a 60 or an 80-hour full-time job. It's incredibly stressful. Your girlfriend, boyfriend, whoever you're with is going to hate you. Family is going to like you know give you, give you up. You're going to destroy your life if you do daily for a whole year but it's going to grow your channel. You're going to have a huge platform and a huge audience afterwards. So there's a trade-off with that, but you got to get effective at it and you got to have these frameworks, like the framework that I just mentioned to you with a couple of those steps. You have to have that because your mind can only be creative if there are some constraints. If you're just like, I need to make a video tomorrow, you're going to be paralyzed. But if you niche that down into a process and into a framework, okay, I need to first do the hook. Then I need to do the subscribe. Then I need to do the meet. Then I need to break it into certain like two or three or five or 10 or seven points. Then I need to do the outro. It just suddenly becomes easier to think about it. And then you, for inspiration, you can go to other channels. You can go through books. You can do get video ideas from anywhere. But you have to turn yourself into this machine that's looking for ideas consistently. So if you're producing a lot of content, you have to breed in a lot of content. You got to get in a lot of content in your head. So when I was doing daily videos, I was also reading the most. So I was doing a lot of production. I was also doing a lot of consumption. So I was like a machine that was processing information That's very awesome. fast. That's awesome. And yeah, I call that input-output balance. <clears throat> There's actually um, a framework that I have for it. It's called the paradigm of the consumer and the paradigm of the creator. And it's a, it's a seven-step framework, which for those of you guys that are listening that maybe haven't heard it, it's uh, input, filter, store, uh, synthesize and recall, transmit, deliver impact. And so there's a whole little like process that, that I teach for that. And um, that's really cool, man. I mean, it's called being prolific. One of my mentors, Ty, used to tell me like, dude, just, just be more prolific. Just put out more stuff, input and then output, input and then output and just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And uh, that's one of the biggest things that I see with people that are peak performers is they're able to recycle information so quickly. And I don't mean recycle in a bad way. <clears throat> I mean, take it in, make it their own and then package it, make it more concise and deliver it with a unique mechanism that actually saves the viewer's time. So, um, <clears throat> super, super cool. So, so talk a little bit more about, because we've got a concept and like, like, because I think that's such a huge sticking point for people is getting that first video out. So, you know, as you were doing these dailies, was it, you know, were you shooting in the same location? Cause I remember you have a bunch that were like kind of in the gym. How did you make it easy for yourself to do it. You mentioned like systematizing it, becoming kind of a machine on it. Well, that means build, building an actual system around it. So what was your system? Did you always have the camera in the same place? Did you kind of have a list of topics and you're like, okay, the next 15 topics are going to be this. I know that, you know, on Thursday I'm going to go in, I'm going to talk about, you know, biceps. How did you, how did you go about that? Let's break that down on a practical level. Got it. Yeah. The most important thing is having that logistical setup and reducing that friction to film. Because if your camera is packed away and your tripod is stored and everything is just ready, you know, you need to assemble everything for 10, 15 minutes, you're going to lose so much time there and there's so much friction for you to get started. So make it easier on yourself. I would say if you're someone just starting out, pick a nice place in your house that you can just remain with the same frame and just place a the camera there and just literally don't move it at all. 
And if you can save yourself time, you can plug it into your laptop and record directly onto the laptop. Just to save yourself as much time as possible, you can click a button and start filming. Uh, I think the the gear obsession becomes a problem with that as well. If you're starting to get, I need a monitor, then I need this special microphone, then I need a special lighting, a, a bunch of these things, and then you, you really can't operate. You turn all that on, then you forget that you're turned on your audio microphone, you, just, you lose the audio, and it gets a lot of frustration. So I kept it very simple for myself in those stressful times. So you can kind of see what phases are really stressful for me because I film everything in the house in front of a wall that you know that I'm hyper stressed out if that's happening. I'm not stressed out. I'm out in the city. I'm filming. I'm using it as almost like a hobby to explore the city because at the same time that I was doing daily videos, I was traveling to new countries almost every month. So I'll just be exploring locations, filming different locations, getting kicked out of different locations, (laughs) all that good stuff. And uh, that was awesome. And also super stressful, but I also look at it in a way that I'm kind of documenting my journey in different locations while I'm presenting all these cool topics. Uh, That was, again, very helpful to have a topic ahead, at least a couple of topics ahead. I was never really a big fan of huge lists of topics because I find that when something is on top of mind, you can do a really good video on it. But if you're forced to do something, the delivery doesn't flow as nicely. So I always had like one or let's say one to three ahead that I would think about and I would kind of let marinate in my head while I'm doing the other ones. And the key with daily videos is also to be ahead of it. So be a couple of videos ahead of it. So have, let's say, two videos ready to go that are ready to upload and ready to publish. So you don't have that stress that you have to deliver it immediately. That was a big part of the workflow. If you have to travel tomorrow, you have to fly out. And if you don't have a video to ship out, I mean, some days I would stay up until like six in the morning filming. And my flight is in two hours just because I didn't have that video up. And I made that commitment to myself. It's going to go up every day. And that's a big thing. Having the buffer, huge. But logistically, I would say if you're just starting out, look, keep it simple. Find a good room in your house that has some depth. Place the camera. Have some good lighting source in front of it. Sun is great. Uh, just works perfectly fine. Somewhere quiet. You're going to do just fine. And just start doing massive amounts of content. Now, if you want to do it in public, also great, but it does take, there, there's a lot of variables you can't control, like the garbage truck that I just mentioned. I didn't mention that by accident. Like there's literally videos that took me like two hours to film just because there's random garbage trucks coming out of nowhere in the middle of the night in Spain that want to clean the exact point in the street where I'm at with my camera. It's ridiculous. And that is so frustrating because you're in the flow and you just hear this massive amount of noise all of a sudden you have to stop the video. And Another thing that I'm going to say here, which you should never do, is try to do videos in one take, which I did for a whole year. So I did all the videos in one take, mm-hmm. right? So if the, if the one take was interrupted, I would redo the whole damn thing oh, from yeah. scratch. I know a few people so that you, have that issue. If you do that for a year, you're going to drive everybody around you insane and yourself. Don't do that. Use the editing tools that the way are meant to be used. So use the cuts, save people's time, save yourself time. You're going to be much less frustrated. So use the edit to remove the ums, hums, or staring at the wall, thinking about what to say next. And if you do things right like that, you can save yourself a lot of time. I don't people, I don't think people mind the cuts as much as I thought they did because I did everything in one go. If you watch my videos, like literally like 20 minutes of me just straight talking, there's yep. no pauses whatsoever. That was insane. And probably trained me well to do that on stage when I was doing speaking. It's fine. I could talk for three hours. But if you're just starting, don't put that burden on yourself. It's just going to make it harder. It's all friction. Remove as much friction as you possibly can. 
I love it. I love it. And I think as you output more, um, you start to, you know, feel more and more in line with that purpose that you talked about, right? That, you know, that, that what is the why and why you're doing the entrepreneurship? What is, what is the message that you're trying to get out? And I think every step, I would view it as a step towards destiny a step towards legacy and that becomes really, really powerful. Um, and we could talk about feeling alive um, a little bit more as, as we wrap here. I try and keep these at around an hour, you know, so that people don't go too insane. We can, I think you and I could go for probably two or three hours. <laughs> I mean, just the, uh, just a domain shifting thing. Maybe we'll do a different podcast on that, you know, in a little while here. Um, I think that would be fascinating. I have this concept called the dial where I've actually um, started adjusting my psychology relative to the situation that I need to be in. So let's say, I'm in an executive meeting and I actually attach that to outfits. So I will actually put a suit on really buttoned up and there's completely different Mikhail than um, the one that you're seeing and hearing currently. Then there's, you know, the, the entrepreneur version and there's a musician version. And um, I've tried to amplify and hone in on, on what qualities are going to be great for that specific role. And then take that and really, you know, model other people that are doing it well, great artists, great musicians uh, for the music one or, you know, uh, great managers like Peter Drucker, for example, for, you know, but you don't really want Peter Drucker in the music studio with you necessarily, uh, just like you wouldn't want Tupac in your boardroom, right? So uh, you want to you have a little bit of balance there. So th that's a concept we can unpack, but I think that's going to be outside of the scope of this one. So for those of you guys that are listening, if you want me to do one on the uh, domain shifting with Mario, then definitely comment below, say you want to do it, or DM me on Instagram or DM Mario on Instagram, say, I want to do it, I want to do it. Uh, what I want to do is as it relates to feeling alive. So let's do, let's do a little curveball here. You mentioned fitness, diet, high performance habits, and mindset in your program. Can you give one short tip on each one and then kind of tie that into how they can feel more alive as entrepreneurs, how the, the current listener can feel more alive by kind of dialing into each one of those things a little bit. And I think that'll increase their output. And again, those steps towards destiny. So Let's do that. I think that would be really, really great as a value add here at the end for the people that, that stayed all the way through. You know, they, they, listened, they listened to our stories. They, they went on the journey with us through, uh, through the dark forest and now we're coming out on, you know, the, the sunny meadow on the other side. Um, so <laughs> let's, let's, you know, let's, uh, yeah, let's break some stuff down for them. Sure. Uh, with the mindset, we all know mindset is key. I really have seen over the years that lack of consistency is usually a lack of mindset work. And people that are inconsistent need to live in mindset work, legitimately feed the mind with as much mindset stuff as possible. Because it, whether it's self-sabotage, whatever it is that's holding you back right now, psychological issues, uncertainty, overthinking, everything we just talked about, mindset is so critical because all those things that come in the way that get you off course, and then you, you turn that one bad day into a bad week, bad month, bad year, that's a mindset issue. So I would say working in your mindset right now and out of the mindset, I think what we already mentioned is the perfectionism. If you look, if you just eliminate that, you're just so much on your way because it comes down to consistency. With all four areas you mentioned, it really is, okay, how do I stay consistent? That's what's bugging people. It's not the fact that I don't know what to do because in a lot of cases, you know a little bit of what to do, but it's how do I actually do this consistently and why am I not doing what I know already works really well? Like, why am I not doing stuff that I know is good for me? And with mindset, that's where that journey really helps in understanding that your biases, understanding how to stay consistent. I think perfectionism is one of the biggest roadblocks there. So if you handle that one and allow yourself to be less perfect and just allow yourself to do things and learn along the way, having that iterative mindset, 
you're good to go, uh, at least some of the basic stuff. High performance habits, I would say I put sleep there first for a reason because so many entrepreneurs fall in this trap of sleeping five hours a night or four hours a night thinking that they can just grind it out. It doesn't work, guys. Like it just doesn't freaking work. The science that we have so far in, look, in the last 10 years, we know more about sleep than we know from the beginning of mankind to the last 10 years. Okay. So we know much more about how sleep works and we know that you need sleep. We know that if you want to operate at your best, you need your sleep, whether it's from a standpoint of losing body fat, whether it's for building muscle or just general performance, a night of bad sleep is enough to decline you cognitively to a point where you're not effective, you're emotionally not grounded, you're just all over the place. So if you want to be an effective human being, give yourself the sleep. Five hours of work in a good slept state is more effective than 15 hours of work when you're sleep deprived. So be that effective individual, invest in sleep. And then of course, all the other stuff is also important, but sleep is definitely going to improve everything. It's like when you hear the fact of a keystone habit, good sleep is a keystone habit because it improves absolutely everything in your life. Even makes your face look nicer. So all the girls like you more. Uh Uh, That's that's data driven as well. There was a study on that. Like people like people more that are slept well. (laughs) Uh, Nutrition. Look, uh, nutrition is the absolute key to getting lean and getting lean is the absolute key to having great energy levels, feeling great, feeling light, happy, and overall, like it's going to make the most improvement in, in your life. With nutrition, the foods you eat, but also the amount of food you eat is critical. So it's not just about calories and people say, just cut the calories, eat whatever you want and just get lean. It is actually, okay, which foods you eat are you eating a healthy diet? What's your actual schedule? Are you timing the food to match your productivity? Because there are certain things that happen in the interaction between food and energy levels and training. So it has to be structured really well around your day and not just, okay, what to eat, but also when and how much all that matters. With nutrition, of course, like we know if you reduce calories, you're going to lose weight, but go beyond that. Okay. What are your food choices? How to optimize that? and get your protein intake as well. Really important if you want to build muscle. And I would say for nutrition, if you tell the calories and the protein, you kind of got some of the basic stuff in there. But if you want to take it beyond, that's where the individualization comes from. It's like, how do I individualize this for my specific situation? And I think exercise was the last one we meant, we didn't mention here. And this is that from my experience, for entrepreneurs, training about three to four days a week for about an hour is all it really takes to make a significant impact in your life and your body and your physique and being very progressive with your training. So you just do the same old, same old all the time. Very, very progressive training is key. So meaning that you're consistently challenging your body to do more and to get better. So if you're training in your comfort zone, if you're just doing what feels good, you're not going to get very far. So consistently progressing with weights that you're lifting, with your technique that you're doing, and also the amount of training you're doing. And then shifting that over time, sometimes more when you're less stressed than less training when you're more stressed. So you can kind of manage that stress level is really important. And then to just wrap it all up is being data driven with all this stuff. Like this is not guessing. Like if you're guessing what weight you did in a certain exercise a couple of weeks ago, you're just missing out. If you're guessing how much you ate or what you ate, if you're guessing how your sleep was, or if you're looking at to become a really effective human being, you have to become a machine in a way. There has to be data and there has to be some form of measurement. So I see a lot of people approach this whole fitness game as this 
woo-woo esoteric thing like, okay, just go to the gym and feel good. Well, that's fantastic if you want to lose a couple of pounds, but if we're talking about 10% body fat looking like an Avenger within like you know, four to six months or this year making a significant change in life that people can't even recognize you anymore, vagueness and just kind of winging it will not work. So you have to be extremely data-driven, same as you need to be in the business. If you're running paid traffic, if you're not actually measuring the output, what are you doing? And the same is in fitness. So measure the input, measure the output, and adjustments. Adjustments, adjustments, iteration over time. That's really the name of the game. Super cool, super cool. Uh, one thing to unpack a little bit more, you mentioned the importance of sleep. What's one tip that somebody could do? Let's say they're, you know, let's say they're underslept a little bit. Let's say they're working around the clock, you know, getting that five to six and a half hour, I call that the yellow zone, you know, where it feels like you're getting enough, but they're not quite getting the measurements. I noticed you've got the, the aura ring on, um, repping, you know, repping all day. <laughs> For those of you guys who don't know, O-ring, uh, no affiliation, but gives, gives some really great data points on sleep. Uh, but what, what's, what's something that, you know, one tip for, like to improve sleep, let's say someone's in that kind of yellow zone, like they're getting like, you know, five and a half, they're getting six, they don't really feel great and they've been doing it for so long, they, they're not really even aware of the fact that they're underperforming as a result. What's one thing? Is it, you know, just go to bed earlier? Like what's the one tip? Yeah, if you can get more, like always get more. More, it's just looking at, there's quality and there's quantity. Quantity just solves so much. So just getting more of it, just getting an hour of extra sleep, going to bed earlier. So thinking about the fact that, you know, yes, it's gratifying to keep watching the show at the night or to keep replying to emails. But in that state, nothing great happens. Nothing amazing in your business is going to happen after 11 p.m. Like, not very likely. So getting that mindset first and foremost and getting a pre-bed ritual in place that gets you relaxed, that gets you in the right state of mind, that doesn't have blue light shining in your face, that you're not replying to your tax email in, you know, at 1 a.m. Getting that easing into sleep routine is going to be very helpful and then just adding a bit more. I would say a minimum amount would be about seven hours. Eight is where real things start happening. I sleep nine hours and I would say that I'm probably... I mean, as far as effectiveness goes, I am about 10 or 20% more effective than when I do eight hours because right. I train a lot as well. So that makes a difference. So if I'm training six days a week, because I, like, I love to train, mm -hmm. it's hard to keep me out of the gym. So I need more sleep. Uh, but it, it, usually about seven or eight hours, it should be fine. And a couple extra, just small tactical stuff. Like, look, keep the room completely dark. Don't mess around with that. It's super easy to fix that with a couple of blinders you can get on Amazon. If you're in a noisy environment, either get a white noise fan or get some earplugs. Just simple, easy stuff like that. Phone, no notifications, no noises. And it's just basic stuff like that it goes such a long way to improve your sleep hygiene that is incredible. And then, of course, there's auto optimizations like circadian rhythm when you go to bed and all that other stuff. Typically, most people feel great between going to bed around 10 p.m. to about 2 a.m. I would say 2 a.m. is really extreme. Usually between 10 p.m. and midnight is where the magic happens. And as an entrepreneur, I think prioritizing your sleep will definitely increase your revenue more than learning like how to use ClickFunnels better. Like, and I'm not kidding here. You know, entrepreneurs way, put way too much attention on these little tactical software, little tweaks that they do on their website, like the color of their button, and aren't getting an hour of extra sleep, which is just silly. If you're more effective, everything in your business runs better. So sleep, I would say, as a, one of the highest priorities, I guard my sleep like it's insane. I'm not booking any flights that could disrupt my sleep rhythm. I'm paying double sometimes because of that. I'm not accepting calls after a certain part of the day. I'm not accepting anything. 
So I'm, I'm going to be in bed by 11.30 p.m. every day, no matter what. Like, it legitimate, no matter what. Like, there's a, I, I can't imagine what could happen if, let's say, like a huge health emergency or something like that, that's going to happen. And by being very protective around it, it always happens because I'm prioritizing it. And don't be loose with it, right? Make it a, a real commitment and even book it in your schedule. Like if you look at my Google calendar, like I legit have like 11, 30 p.m. to like a certain point. It's booked out of the calendar. Like you cannot get in there no, yeah. ma no matter what. Yeah, same. Um, you mentioned an evening, evening ritual. Uh, what's yours? Uh, I keep it very simple. So uh, about, I think about 30 minutes the least amount, that's the least amount of time, but I'm just skip 30, that I don't do any stressful work. So that means the laptop is off. So laptop doesn't exist. I'm either cuddling with my girlfriend, I'm uh, reading some stoicism, either meditations from Marcus Aurelius or something like that. And it's a legit book. It's not that I'm reading it on a Kindle or anything like that. My phone is already in airplane mode. So it, it doesn't do anything. I am already my I burst my feet, I'm relaxed, I do some stretching before bed because it helps me relax. And I try to have that easing with my lighting around the house. I just make sure that everything is dimmed down so there's no huge light. And I use my uh, blue light blocking glasses as well to help with that. And that 30 minutes, I'm already kind of half asleep by the end of you know 20 minutes in. And I just ease into it really nicely at the end of the, the ritual. So that takes me about 30 minutes to do. Sometimes I take a bit more if I'm under an extreme amount of stress. And if I've done a seminar, let's say a seminar ended at 10 p.m. and I need to go to bed before midnight, it's going to be hard to shift that energy. But I still like, I cool off. I sometimes take a really warm shower just to cool off and just make sure that I'm ready to go. And you definitely have to have a plan. Uh, you don't want to wing this thing. You just want to do these step-by-step -step things. I love him. And, and that's why it's, it's so important to have guidance and to have a mentor in these areas, right? Because, you know, I found for myself, like I've, I've got a, I mean, you, you know me pretty well. I'm pretty meticulous with my rituals. I've got a morning ritual that, you know, is like 27 steps. Um, but it's all things that I've, I've found to be critical, you know, um, including the supplements, including, you know, how I treat, um, you know, the, the light, like Marcus, um, Aubrey, I think, has this like what like light water movement kind of thing, like it's a one two three kind of thing. So I thought um, that was cool, you know, incorporating that, incorporating gym, incorporating um, you know steam sauna, I mean jacuzzi, cold shower, you, you know, you, you name it. So um, I think without you know all the guidance um, that I've gotten, I wouldn't have had those things. And I think people, you know, people see you. I, I've definitely gotten this this, this compliment, not to be like self serving. But like, oh, how do you have so much energy? Well, it's just it's just a structure that you can fall back on. You know, I definitely don't don't have a lot of energy at two in the morning when I'm sleeping like a baby, right? I'm I'm sleeping like a baby, and so um, that's the regenerative process. I think so many entrepreneurs, myself included, put that to the back burner. They say, well, look, like I'm gonna do the business. I'm in hustle mode, and I think the current state of social media actually feeds that even more too. Like, you know, twenty four seven hustle and da da da. I'm like, and look, that that's that's great. That's cool. But there's also something to be said for being happy and, as you said, feeling alive. So, you know, to, to close it out here, can you maybe talk a little bit about what can what do you do to feel more alive and what can other people do to, to just feel more alive and appreciate that this, this great time we have on this great planet in our bodies here? Yeah, this is a really good segue toward the end. Uh, speaking of productivity as well is taking breaks and having rituals that will recharge you throughout the day and throughout the week. 
So just in a couple of hours, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend. She's going to take a real long walk around the city, talk random stuff. And just having stuff that doesn't stimulate you. You know, people think, people associate being alive with having this hyper stimulated brain all the time, like input, input, input. But you got to balance that out with times where not being hyper stimulated and just allow your mind to wander. If that makes sense. And man, I think about all kinds of crazy stuff when that happens. Like I'm thinking about the, the purpose of the humankind in the universe. Like I'm just doing all kinds of crazy thought experiments and like I'm listening, sometimes I'm reading books from people like, you know, astrophysicists and that's the kind of stuff that I'm really passionate about on the side. I love reading about, you know, more like philosophical stuff. And I, I get deep into that kind of like nerd out on that kind of stuff a lot. And, but really at the end of the day, what makes you feel alive is that flow state. Like when you're really, really, really like losing track of time, you're challenged, you're producing, you know that you're just lost in time. And that's, I think that feeling is, as an entrepreneur, I, I experienced that. And that's what drew me as well to make more videos is that when I'm on camera, I'm all in that flow state. I'm just so present in the moment that everything else doesn't matter. And I try to put myself in that position as much as possible throughout my work hours. But then I try to get out of that position when I'm outside of work hours. So I do have a, a point in time of the day when I don't do anything deliberate anymore. Like I'm just going to mess around. Like I'm just going to let my mind wander. And I, I, I have thinking time. I have an hour of thinking time a day. I literally stay at a wall for an hour. Like in people is, you guys, you are crazy. But you, you would think that makes you crazy, but it's almost a form of my creative meditation where I just generate so many great ideas. Instead of being linear, nonstop with your thinking, now you're being lateral. And also you can think in depth when you balance out modes of thinking. Because we can think linearly right now, point A, point B, point C, but allow yourself to wonder go out in nature. Like I'm a big fan of going out in nature and just doing a hike or something random like that. And of course, gym for me, it's a huge recharge ritual. Like I, I literally, I could spend my entire day in the gym. I just love it. I just love how it makes me feel. And um, I didn't always think about it like this. I'm a, I'm a World of Warcraft addict for Christ's sakes. I grew up on you know, Coca-Cola and bakery food. Never thought about going to the gym. But now I realize this physically how engaging when I get in that state comes from it. I mean, it's just incredible. So there's a bunch of stuff on, in there. Uh, I think all these little bits make you feel alive. There's not like a one thing, but um, overall, you know, even just taking a shower and just thinking about how grateful and how awesome this stuff is right now that we have is just incredible. Like I'm sometimes I just staring at my phone. I'm like, holy shit, like how is this possible? Like I have this phone and it has all the knowledge of mankind in it. Like, holy shit, it's crazy. So I think appreciating and being more aware of like these little things is just goes such a long way. Like you have my blueberries in the fridge every day. It's insane. Like who, who can do that stuff? Like having blueberries every day, like fresh in your fridge, it's amazing, right? Just simple stuff, man. At the end of the day. Totally, man. I always say like life is like magic. Like everybody thinks, you know, Harry Potter and all this stuff, right? It is the magic. And then, you know, when you really take the time to realize, you know, I have this hand tattoo. This is the guys that are listening. I can't see it, but it's got, you know, all of their planets. It got the sun on here. And it just reminds me that like we are, we're right here, right on this little dot. We're on a little rock flying around this giant, you know, fission, fusion reaction, whatever. Um, like basically like a rock flying around a giant ball of fire is where we are. And so I think a lot of people like have this fantasy reality of like, oh, magic, you know, like the Harry Potter. Well, no, like life is, I mean, this is as close to magic as it gets. You know, if you look mathematically at the probability of us even 
and being here, much less having the ability to do a podcast like this, <laughs> just having the technology to do it and being at this point in time and having our, our neural, neurological systems wired a certain way to where, it, I mean, that, like, just mathematically, it's so close to, you know, impossible and, and improbable um, in an ever-expanding universe on top of that is just like, it just blows my mind, right? It's, it's, it's amazing. I think, I think entrepreneurs often get so caught up in the hustle that they, they lose the wonders of life. Like, I call it missing the magic. I was on this boat in Bali a year and a half or so ago, and, and I was going on this boat, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is magical. We're going out to this island on this, this boat. This boat goes out for about 45 minutes to this other island where we were staying, and we were staying on this island. And uh, I had to, like, bust out the camera. I'm like, look, I'm going to miss the magic here, like, for you guys to catch the magic. Like, look at this sunset. Look at this sunset. I'm missing the sunset. This is, this is, this is outrageous what I'm about to do here, right? And, like, for the viewers to really get the point, like, absorb, experience, live you know, be passionate, love, like, don't be afraid to be vulnerable, put yourself out there, get it out there and, and be the amazing best version of yourself that you can be as an entrepreneur, because that's, what's really going to make the world a better place. And as a result of that, of course, you'll have a better life, right? But our lives are really just, you know, they're, they're, they're grains of sand, they're, they're specks, they're, they're just, you know, seconds on the time clock, uh, relative to the big, you know, entirety of what is all things. And so, you know, don't, don't be so afraid to contribute. I think, let, let go, let go of the regulator, right? There's no, uh, there's no life police. That's kind of how I say it. Like, like I think people think like, Oh, like you live too good of a life. And they're like, some person is going to wave their finger at you. Um, <laughs> and sure, you know, we might get kicked out of filming locations here and there, but like, that's such a, that's part of the magic too. You know, that that's kind of very punk rock. So absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, so to wrap, to wrap here as a, as a final point, let's say that, you know, we fast forward quite some time into the future and uh, you, you're, a, you're an old man now. And, you know, it's kind of, you, you, you've got, you've got some kids, you've got some grandkids, uh, and, and, you know, you're ready to kind of move on. If you had a one sentence, uh, kind of thing to pass on, uh, to your kids, to your grandkids for, you know, a better way to live life, like what would that one thing be? This is kind of the, the Tim Ferriss version of the, uh, the message on a billboard. What would you say? What would you tell them? Yeah, it's a tough one. Probably would just be go for it. Like there's no such thing as failure. I think that's, that's keeping it simple is that because, um, you know, you're going to live and die anyway. So why is, you know, why not just give it a shot and just do whatever you want to do and just dedicate yourself to something like that. And just, just go for, you know, when you have that feeling like, um, yeah, dedicate yourself and see what happens. You know, we, we tend to fall into these like pessimism traps where you're using that as a self-defense mechanism for disappointment. But man, like disappointment is a part of life. Experience it, right? Just let it happen. You know, screw it at the end of the day. You know, it's at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. So if it doesn't matter, why not just, you know, do what, whatever you can do and see what happens? You know, like can a crazy little kid from a fucking village impact the world a little bit? Let's see if it does happen, you know? And, and so far it's been working really well. Like who would have guessed, you know, like it was never in the, never in the cards, but it just happened, you know? And, that kind of mindset, I think we, we don't see how, how much possibility there really is. And what we spoke about just earlier, look, it's fine to be in a basement for, for in hustle mode. Also fine to get out there and appreciate. And that's, I think, really important. But yeah, that would be my thing. Like go for it. No such thing as failure and just freaking you know, just do your best and improve over time. That's it. 
I love it, brother. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day for being the human that you are, for contributing positive energy uh, to the podcast and hopping on. As always, all of the references, tools, techniques, strategies will be found in the show notes. If you want to check out Mario's program that hammers physical fitness, diet, high performance habits, mindset, and everything that you really need to know in order to reach peak performance as an entrepreneur, check out his website, tomic.com slash clients, or just go to tomic.com and click the clients tab to see some of the amazing impact that he has had on people and some of my closest friends as well. Uh, fully, fully, fully endorse everything that you do, brother. Thank you so much. Nothing but gratitude for you. Utmost gratitude, positivity. And um, if you have any parting message for the viewers, now is the time. Man, it was a pleasure being here with you. And uh, and really, thank you so much for putting this together. And I know you're you're hustling hard and you know taking your time out of the day as well and to bring this message out to the world. I think you're doing a great thing and uh, definitely you know, appreciate so much and grateful for being here. Awesome. Uh, thanks for hopping on, brother. And as always, this has been Hustle System, where art meets commerce, where we dissect the patterns of success and failure for peak performers and see what makes them tick. This has been your host, Mikhail Kuznetsov. Thank you for listening. And as always, I will see you in the next one. It really is a revolution. Still trying to get myself adjusted.